So welcome to Bye Bitches. Uh, it's just CG and me today, and there's a reason for that. But before I go any further, here's oh, just a, I know, but there's just a few words that describe what we're about oh, to discuss. Oh, Lord. Okay, here we go. Sophomoric, sleazy, crass, insipid, inane, amateurish, raunchy, tedious, embarrassing, embarrassingly bad, gratuitous, lowest common denominator, dirty, shocking, sexist, racist, juvenile, vulgar, stupid, and tasteless. But also an unlikely pop culture phenomenon, adventurous, outlandish, funny, spirited, guilty, pleasure, fun, indescribably hilarious, outrageously hysterical, classic, stimulating, cheerful, harmless, infantile, a riot. My gut still hurts from laughing, sheer fantasy, sheer entertainment, and absolute funniest 14 minutes ever put on film. Did any of those words resonate with you? Uh, yeah, probably a lot of the bad ones. <laughs> a lot of the bad ones, for sure. One of the, so basically the movie that we are talking about today, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. Like, what are you talking about? Like, why are you talking about your daughter like that? That's so rude. To say <laughs> yeah, these, these are all you. <laughs> this is how I describe CG. No, this is the movie Porky's. Uh, if you guys didn't already pick or just know from the title in the podcast. Uh, there was a reason I wanted to watch this movie with you for the first time since I saw it. I don't know how many times I saw it when I was young, but when I saw it for the first time when I was 12. So CG and I watched Porky's. In fact, we watched it live or we did a watch party and we recorded it. And if that footage is anything, if it's interesting at all, we're going to put it over on Patreon so you guys can actually watch it. I think there were some interesting parts, but a lot of it was, it was just me, um, Staring blankly, I would say, maybe with my mouth dropped open a little bit. Really? Speechless? Yeah. But we'll get into it. Before we get into it, well, let's just talk about it. So I'm sure uh, most people know this movie. Um, most people have seen it, I think. It's a 1981 sex comedy uh, written and directed by Bob Clark. Bob Clark was a director who CG actually after this, I think there's a few movies of his that we should check out. He has one of the more successful, or I guess some people, I haven't seen it. It's called Black Christmas, a slasher movie. But he I also did I've a- seen that. Really? Did you like yes, it? Yes, Bob Clark's, that sounds really familiar. Okay. But he did a very successful um, Sherlock Holmes movie called Murder by Decree. And of course, the Christmas favorite, A Christmas Story. And it was only because of Porky's that he got to do it because they said, we'll let you do Christmas story if you do Porky's too. So that's an interesting, you know. So he was blackmailed. He was, he blackmailed the studio <laughs> <laughs> or he was blackmailed. But that's A Christmas Story is now the, um, one of the most iconic Christmas movies of the time. But this movie, I was just so interested because Animal House had come out, Airplane had come out. In the same year that this came out, so did um, Fast Times at Ridgemont High come out. So, but it really did set a precedent for teen films for the next decade, and even into American Pie, and even and then female, you know, females have kind of reclaimed it with Bridesmaids and those kinds of things. So, there's, I think there's importance to this film, but there's also we're going to be, I guess, we're going to be critical, but I think we can still celebrate some parts of it. What do you think? I'm definitely going to be, I think because of my generation, I watched this for the first time in 2023, obviously 40 years after it came out, I'm mm -hmm. on the more critical side, but yes, I do recognize its cultural and historical significance for the domino effect it had with all these kinds of movies in the late eighties and the nineties. But 
I am definitely on the more critical perspective (laughs) of this film, I will say. I do have to say that the second time around, and in fact, um, Adam and I watched it the next day because he missed out on our watch party. And I watched it again. And at the end of that, I asked him what he thought. And he said, I think there's something about the film that just resonated in the time in 1981, but it doesn't, it did, it definitely didn't have quite the impact that it had when I was 13. And I would hope I mean, not. <laughs> right. I would really so, hope not. So it's when I would think about the movie, I didn't think so. I knew, I knew it had shock value, but I didn't necessarily think of it as just so so overtly sexist and degrading. And, you know, in, and in my research, I found so many different reactions. The critics were, you know, understandably very critical. But then I went into viewers and viewers re- reviews were a very, very positive because there were so many people, there were some people who were like, I just don't get it. And other people were talking about the side splitting humor of it. So let me paint the picture when I'm 13. Yeah, I was going to say, we're, we're talking about it a little bit. I feel like you should give the synopsis for the people who haven't seen it. Before we start talking about it, maybe just give a little synopsis. We're talking about all this historical stuff. Some people are probably like, I've never seen it. Give me the oh, info. Well, I guess that your generation hasn't seen it. Um, right. probably. So that's, that's so, one of the reasons we're here. So thanks for steering me back. Yeah. Uh, read, give a little synopsis first, <laughs> what the details are. It's a 1981 sex comedy written by Bob Clark about the escapades of teenagers in 1954 in Angel Beach High School at Angel Beach High School in Florida. Um, the fictitious. The success of this film influenced many writers. We talked about that. Um, basically, it's a story of these boys in 1954. And of, like many other teenage boys, it's the theme is Pee-wee needs to um, get laid or they all need to get laid. And they're going to do it over at this. They have a number of different ways they want to do it. And they want to do it over at a place called Porky's, which is a strip club establishment. Uh, And they end up having to um, invoke some revenge on Porky's. And in between all of these little antics going on and them wanting to get laid, there's all kinds of pranks. And there's a happy ending. That's pretty much the the synopsis. It, It pretty much has no real plot. (laughs) I would say, like, for the most part, it's just a lot of things happening with no, like, direct plot. Like, there's no, like, you care, like, beginning, middle, and end type thing. Like, it's not, it doesn't follow, I would say it's just, like, a bunch of stuff going on. Well, it's a slice of life. And when we, so when we get into the, I mean, so Bob Clark, he got the, he'd had this idea for many, many years. And apparently if you knew Bob, he would tell these stories of his high school years and his college years of he and his buddies and all the antics that he experienced as a youth. And he compiled all of these stories. When Bob got mono, he dictated the entire story to Roger Swayhill. No, Sway Bill. Sway Bill. <laughs> and he said it was the funniest thing he'd ever heard ever heard. So Bob actually said that he believes that what he was representing in this film was truth. And the things that boys do 
as soon as um, when adults aren't around, this is the way they talk. This is the way they act. And he doesn't think that in 1981, uh, kids are acting any differently than they did in the 50s. You were just in high school about five years ago. Yeah. Um, I have to say the boys at my high school did not act like this okay. at all. Uh, as a generation, and I think as time has gone on, uh, we have um, teenagers and high schoolers have calmed Involved? down a bit. You th- oh, and do you think- are a little less freaking horny and openly well, horny. Well, maybe it's maybe, maybe they're that just horny. They just don't express it as openly. Maybe, maybe the young men of today are being taught a little bit more responsibility because I guess there's, do you think there's a responsibility or not necessarily responsibility, uh, responsibility of a film I think the film, honestly, in his, you know, reading what he said was he's reflecting culture and put it, he, he was writing what he knew and this is the way he grew up and he put it on screen and he had a hard time getting it made. I mean, even then it was critical, just as critical as it is now, maybe even more so now, but it's, um, but he also wanted to put what he knew and what he knew to be the truth on screen. And I think there's something that it resonated with young boys because that is the way I guess their humor was and playing pranks on each other um, constantly. Um, I think also, I think a lot of young people like my, at my age, when I was 13, I don't think I knew it was funny. So painting the picture of actually the, one of the reasons this was so popular was I think it was word of mouth. People were lined up around the theater to get into this movie because they kept hearing about these scenes that were just insane. And if you imagine a packed theater, maybe it was a few hundred people, maybe 300 people, but no seat was empty. And I remember sitting, your grandmother, Patty, took myself and and Josh and Heidi, and I can't remember who who all went. And we sat there and I've never experienced, I don't think so. Uh, I was going to say he would, Maybe. I don't think he would have liked that movie. So it's Papa a complete is grandpa. That's what I call my grandpa who has <laughs> now passed away. But I feel like he'd be like, oh, you kids shouldn't be watching this. <laughs> he probably would have got up and walked out. Now, I think it was Patty that <laughs> took us. And by the way, I just saw Patty last night and we had, and I was telling her about this and she goes, I don't remember this. Of course she and doesn't then I, remember. She doesn't but, remember anything. But I enacted the scenes for her because I could, and she was belly laughing. This 84 year old when mother. you hear this, we love you. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, they did what? What did they do? <laughs> they did what? No. And she just loved it. No. <laughs> Really? I took you to that? So the experience of being in a theater, which I don't know that a lot of the generation even right now is doing, that every seat is packed and people are uncontrollably laughing and they're in literally in the aisles and laughing and their stomach hurt for three, three, three days. So you and I watching it the way you watched it is a completely different experience than watching it in a theater with 300 people and that because that laughter is contagious. So that's yeah, what I no, remember. I, I completely get that part. I mean, there's so many parts in it that I think if I was with a large group of people and someone started cracking up, I would be cracking up too. There's right. a lot of potty mouth, just like dirty boy penis humor, which is <laughs> funny. Like I had a few chuckles. It is funny, but there were parts when I was like, uh, 
what? And you're like, you said we, I, I mean, maybe if we end up putting the clips on the Patreon, people will see there was one point, I don't remember what it was, but you were like, CG people were on the floor laughing at this part. And I was like, that is not funny. Like <laughs> that is messed up. <laughs> and obviously I was born in 2000. I was not alive when this came out, but mm-hmm. I think as hilarious as it was during those days and as with the times as it was during those days, you know, as whatever, it does not translate well to this era. No, no. It translates really poorly. There were moments when I laughed towards the end, dirty penis jokes of high school boys that like, I don't think it's like, watching someone fall it's like no matter what age you're gonna laugh at like a penis joke or like Mm -hmm. a fart joke like Mm -hmm. it there were funny moments but the overall movie it translated really poorly like I was shocked within the first 15 minutes of the movie I had no idea it was gonna be like that and it was I I was shocked that we were watching (laughs) this like for the people who haven't seen it within the first 15 minutes it is just like outright it, mm-hmm. like very racist right like, it's racist right it's it's sexist and, it's anti-semitic yeah it's, yeah it's, it's anti-semitic a- it's really racist it's really sexist and honestly the sexist parts weren't even what made my mouth drop open the most it was the racism and the anti-semitism that i was like oh my god like i didn't realize that was so normal for like movies in the early 80s late 70s to just like Say the N word straight out. Like I, w- I was shocked. In 1954 in Florida, I'm sure, like he, as a, a director, he's like, this is the way people spoke. I understand and, and that it was it's a little... 1950, but it it was still made in the 80s. You know, like right. I didn't realize that was still, a, like accepted. Like just, I know it was based. The movie's based in the 50s. I understand that, but just the. It was made in the 80s. And I know you said they had a hard time getting it made, but it I thought that by the early 80s, that wasn't like as accepted anymore. So I was surprised. I guess if you're I mean, I don't know that this is this is a comedy. It's not historically correct, but in, um, historically correct films will still have characters use dialogue that were you that was used right. in those in those times. So I think that was a, a reflection. No, it wasn't accepted, but these characters were in that um, time. And, you know, he did have a hard time making it. So he ended up getting it financed through Canada and it actually became Canada's highest grossing film for 24 years. And now it's the third highest grossing Canadian film of all time. In fact, it was banned in Ireland for the first 19 days. And then it became Ireland's first million dollar making film. So there and was- it was turned into a video game, apparently, <laughs> That's which funny. I have no idea how you would. It's like I, I looked it up to like get laid. No, it's basically know. it basically had these funny little character, you know, back then the video games were almost like little squares. The characters look like little squares and it was peewee pole vaulting to get back and forth to Porky's or something. It was very sim- simplistic. Right. I forgot so, video games in that time were not as advanced as they are at yeah. this point. Well, speaking of peewee, should we get into just like some of the storylines, memorable moments? Well, you talked about the opening. So the first I mean, right. it is kind of the opening moment is. The very opening, I talked about silly penis humor. Like, this is silly. The literal opening scene 
is this high school kid laying in bed. And I didn't even realize it for a moment. I was like watching and I was like, hmm, that's weird. He, am I allowed to be like vulgar on this? Are we going to have like an X rating on this episode? He has um, a hard on first thing in the morning. It's called pitching a tent. Pitching a tent, apparently. Is that Um, new to you, that term? Yeah, I have not heard that before. (laughs) Okay. Um, Pitching a tent. His mom runs in and is like, Pee-wee, get up for school. So he freaks out and flips over, obviously lands like right on his penis. Yes. And hurts himself. But then right after, so his name is Pee-wee, his nickname, which is the big joke. He rolls over and pulls out a ruler from under his mattress and measures himself. And marks it on a big like poster, growth. It's poster a growth, board that you get. It's a get, growth chart. A big poster board that you get when you're making a poster in high school. <laughs> and he says, oh, shoot, it's getting smaller. It's getting shorter. As, yeah. as an opening scene, that is funny. Like I, <laughs> I chuckled. I wasn't belly laughing on the floor, but I had no. a chuckle. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you ever laugh as much by yourself as when you're with other people. That's a literal contagious energy. Right. It's never, and I was never a big laugher, but I think this movie, it's it's interesting when you're young, it's like, wait, I'm supposed to be laughing at that? So I do think there is like, people are influenced by these movies. Right. And, and therefore maybe some behavior in the real world can be is influenced by these films, you know? So I think it's uh, anyway. Yeah. So that's that's our opening. It tells you exactly what this movie's going to be like, because it could have just been an opening scene where he gets up. But it shows you instantly um, the film, what the film is about. What so. the what type of comedy you're going right. to be seeing. It's dirty high school yeah. boy humor. Right. So then we meet the group of boys and generally it's Billy, Tommy, Mickey. Mickey says some racist things, um, but Billy is like, Dude, that's not cool. Like, there's this very subtle, like, no, that's not tolerant and like correction of some of their terms because Billy, Billy is that guy. And um, but, you know, Robert Roger Ebert um, had a he had a pretty scathing review about the film, but he did say something that was really interesting. He was like, oh, gosh, he called it an acronym. The acronym was ACNES. And he said it's an acronym for any movie about the dreaded adolescent characters, neurotic eroticism syndrome. And then he's like, that's what this is. And I guarantee you, Roger didn't, he probably didn't, re- he didn't watch it with them with the um, with an audience, but that's okay. So, but they're talking about this evening that they're going to have, that they're, they've hired this black man to help them out to do something. And it's like, what is it? Well, it turns out it's a super elaborate prank that they're planning. And the only thing that, you know, when you think about this movie being sexist or Roger Ebert said that it's a movie that hates women. And I, I would, I don't think I'd go quite that far. It certainly has some sexism in it. But then I thought there's the boys get nude before the girls in this movie, you know, they show some full frontal and all that, but it turns out to be this elaborate prank where they're going to. They don't show full frontal. We don't see any weens. Yeah, we did when they're running. We did not. I don't think you You see like a small glance as they're running. You don't see like a full frontal. There's a, there's a, there's a couple quick shots. Yeah. That's not a full frontal. That's just (laughs) like they had them run naked and you get like a little glimpse, but it's no full frontals. (laughs) <laughs> she is incorrect. There were no full. No, frontals. there is. I disagree. But um, but it is that 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 scene was 
that's shocking. There's like how how many of them are there like waiting five. in line for Cherry Forever? Or it's like five, six, seven, eight people or whatever it is. So they, but- they bring them to this like dingy little cabin shed yeah. and the prostitute comes out and she says, get naked, like to all the boys because she yeah. has to check them for like well, yeah. diseases. For, for a movie that's about sex, you don't actually see sex more than like once or twice. But you... But they simulate the sounds of it. And the next thing you know, he comes out flailing this machete and they take off and it's all very hysterical. Now, this reminded me of one of the actors, the actor who played Meat, said that they were actually all living together. And one of the reasons I think this film actually worked was they were all living together in, I guess, the same house and they were living this life. You were not safe. Everything was a prank. They put, they did things with people's toothbrushes and all the things here plus was actually happening in real life. And so they just continue, it was like almost like method acting, I guess, but they continued uh, off screen. And while they were shooting, it was all kind of the same thing. And you kind of can see that camaraderie because looking at it with a different eye now, I was actually surprised at, you know, the acting was good. There was good pace and there was good editing and they were having fun. There was like a relaxed I believed that these kids, even though they were in their 20s, not high school, but I believed that they actually had a true camaraderie, right. and a true chemistry. Yeah, it, I didn't I didn't question the believability of yeah. like the laughter, like right. all of the laughter from them in the movie, I thought was real. Like, yes. I, I completely agree. It seemed like they actually were having a good time yeah. like, filming this. It wasn't forced, I don't think. I no, think there was I don't some think genuine... it was forced at all, which yeah. knowing that they like live together makes it that much more reiterates that fact. Like they were most likely having like the time of their lives filming this outrageous movie. I think it's a scene like in that particular scene where um, that it's such a cringy setup and situation that by the end, when the ki- when you see that the characters are all in on it and they're having fun, that kind of gives us this like, whew, they're having fun. Otherwise it was a very cringy, um, you know. Oh no, it's still, it still is cringy and does not translate well. Okay. It, it's good. fine that they're having fun and it's great, but it, yeah, just the fact, yeah. you know, they hired a black man to scare people. Right. Is... Well, and that's another thing like is yes, as if black men are all scary. That's a perpetuated, you know, yeah, uh, stereotype. It, it was very, yeah, it did not translate well. Obviously, no. that could never be in a movie today. Right. No, um, it's like this. You can literally go one side I, or the I other. Could, yeah, I could go yeah. detail by detail of so many things in this film and be like, that couldn't be in a movie today. I think most things in this movie mm-hmm. could not be put in movies today. Right. But yeah. So I understand. Yes, they were it, they were having fun. But I think that is one of the scenes that was me speechless, kind right. of um, not yeah. expecting. I had no expectations going into this movie. And that was one of the scenes that I was just not ready for and was really, for lack of like a better term, like grossed out by like it made me feel mm-hmm. icky that I was watching something so like offensive and racist. And I just, yeah, that was one of the scenes that made me feel okay. a little icky. Yeah. No, um, that's, that's totally valid and fair. And I realized there's a couple of moments in this scene, in this movie watching with you that I went, Ooh, I remember feeling icked out by that as a young person. And not I, icky, know. like, like icky, like that's not okay. I guess I use the word icky a little differently. Not like icky, like ew, gross. Like <laughs> icky, like that's not cool. 
Like yeah. that's bad. Okay. So um, now there's, but there's an interesting dynamic here where the girls are kind there are their buddies. They're the girls right. that hang They're There's like, so there's all these. So in between all the st- little storylines, there's little pranks going on where, you know, we hear the story of how um, Wendy and Pee Wee got together and he was wearing a condom. He wore a condom. And so she wants to get him back. He had it and, on before she even took his pants off. Not like, yeah. oh, he wore one for sex. Like, it no. was on when she started unbuttoning his pants. Right. But, which I think is actually good that he's promoting he's oh promoting God. safe sex at least. But then she comes up with this idea with this rubber that's this big and gives it to him. And, and for, you know, for that, the people listening, this big is probably like four feet, three yeah, feet sorry. long or something <laughs> yeah. like a massive balloon. Yeah. For those who can't can't see my mother's arm movements. (laughs) But it turns in, then Tommy takes it, he blows it up and he starts ramming people with it. And then of course he ends up ramming Beulah Ballbricker, who's the- um, The head cheerleading coach. Coach, yes. Who's, they make fun of her and they say that she's overweight and such, but she's the, which she really isn't. She's just a, she's a character. But, yeah. uh, but that kind of leads us to something that that's going to happen because Beulah has <laughs> talk about that part later. Well, <laughs> yeah, but, but uh, no, he ends up ramming her. So we see that Beulah and Tommy lock eyes and she takes this huge condom and walks away. And that's a funny moment, but there's the, but then of course, in the meantime, they're planning to, now it's like they have to get laid and they have to go to Porky's. This establishment is going to cost $30 when in fact, like $10, $10 back then, by the way, was um, $95 in like 2020. I yeah, they up. each, it was five of them and they each threw in 20 bucks. So they're paying like a hundred and something yeah, to get it's into this strip club. That's a lot of money. Well, not to so, get in. It's free to yeah. get in, but. But they end up going and and Porky, of course, makes fun of them, takes their money, dumps them in the swamp. And they're, of course, humiliated by Porky. And so humiliated, but them. Um, that Mickey, the blonde, you know, the one who's, he's mm-hmm. like, he's determined to get some kind of revenge, which he's which, the one who had the idea to go to Porky. So I think yeah. a little bit, he, his revenge is really fueled a lot by like, this was my idea. This, I thought this was going to work. Like he's embarrassed, right? Like, yeah, yeah. He's a little embarrassed. So it was his idea. He got all the money and they're all convinced that they're going to go up to this room and hook up with Porky's prostitutes. And yeah, yeah Mickey's definitely a little embarrassed by it. Well, see, so he's he goes back a couple times and he keeps coming back beat up, which is not a great thing. But there is one funny moment during this whole time that I think this may have been the first time I saw this joke, this prank where you call and you say, I'm looking for Michael Hunt. And Wendy takes the phone and she says, Mike, Mike Hunt, Mike Hunt, Mike Hunt, is Mike Hunt here? And it turns into, um, and this is Pee Wee's way of getting her back. And she takes it like a, she smiles and it's funny and, you know, Bart Simpson would do this stuff. The Jerky Boys did this stuff. It's kind of an it's old- It's a harmless prank. Yeah, I thought that was very funny where you're throwing, you know, the girls are still that, part of that it. That was one of my genuine chuckles, I will say. <laughs> did, had you one seen that before? No. You'd never seen that before? No. It's that that trick, yeah. Okay. I mean, I know the trick where you say like, um, I ben, don't know. Ben, like, Dover. You, I'm looking for Ben, Dover. Yeah, Ben, Dover, <laughs> yeah. or- I don't know. Yeah. Something like There's that. Plenty I'm, not, of I'm not creative right now. I can't think of anything, but like <laughs> things like that. And I think the I did like the relationship. This was one of the reasons that I didn't think it, you know, it did. It isn't like an, I hate woman movie 
in my opinion. Like it is very sexist, but for the people who are saying like it is just like so anti-women, like I don't completely agree because you can see that the girls in this movie, like the girls who are friends with these guys, like they have fun with them. Like she takes the joke. She blew up the condom to mess with Pee-wee. Like they were part of the group. It wasn't like these guys are just making fun of these girls and only using them to hook up all the time. It's like these girls were a part of the friend group. They were in on the jokes. Like they had fun with them too. But like the, the camaraderie of the girls and the guys, it reminded me of like my college. Like we just had like a big group of girls and guys and, you know, we just would hang out like at this one house, like every weekend. And we just had a bunch of fun together. Like I, I liked the camaraderie that you can see with the girls and the guys in the friend group. Like you can right. see she, she laughed at the end of the prank. You know, she was like, okay, you got me. Thanks. Right. Like yeah. there's some good ones. There's some good ones. Tim's dad, who's a convict, who's just gotten out of jail, shows up on a motorcycle and gives him, sh- gives him shit for, um, being run off by the black man. Like all of a sudden it's, it, it's a small town. They hear all these things. Um, but he also does the same thing when he loses to a fight with Brian, who's the Jewish kid. And it's this kind of, um, sobering moment where Billy's like, where the, Billy and Tommy go, God, I guess my parents aren't that bad if that's who he has at home. And it's, it's a comment on society that we learn racism and discrimination from our parents and it's passed down from generation to generation. But then ultimately right. I, I loved, I love the little scene where Tim stands up to him. He says, if being a man is, or if like, if what it means to be a man is what you look like, I'd rather be gay be queer. or something. He said yeah. queer. Queer. Yeah. Yeah. And Which I is- was like, yes, sir. Like yes. it's stand up. Okay. Also this dad shows up at a school dance and starts beating the crap out of his son on like school property. Right. I'm like that. I don't know if it was legal in the fifties, but that's illegal now. Like a parent yeah. can't show up and start beating the crap out of their kid at a high school. Like right. that's it. I was like, I don't, Maybe in the 50s, that was like, okay, but that's like <laughs> just not legal in the slightest. No, so they they stand, but I love, a, I love a story of a young man standing up to an abusive father. I think, you know, and because that's a very scary and very brave thing to do. So it's, um, I'm glad they included that. The even more elaborate plan that, um, you know, Brian, that's one of the reasons that Tim and Brian ended up becoming buddies is that he, Brian wanted to help them come up with a good revenge when Mickey ended up showing up with a collapsed lung and going to the hospital and they just wanted to rush off. And they're like, just take, take a beat. Let's plan this. So they come up with this incredibly elaborate plan. The most, I don't think even like the smartest high school student could actually come up with a plan like this. There are so many moving parts. Yeah. And like so much, they have to do all these things in unison. I'm like, these are stupid high school boys. Like how, like it, it was baffling. It was, it was, was Brian, like, it was Brian's, no it was Brian's, uh, and the sheriff, Mickey's older brother. It was right. there. They hatched this plan and but they it's came just up with like it. The most complicated, yeah. absurd plan to get back at Porky. Yeah. And like, so they, they rig the whole thing to be dragged by a tow truck and some speedboats. They rig some TNT. Where do they get explosives? Where did they get explosives? Like they rigged the, the, <laughs> Uh, the, the bridges. bridges with like the wires. And then Pee Wee has one of the little like push down things that it you reminds see me in of, like cartoons 
Wiley Coyote. Yep. Acme. Exactly. Like the little <laughs> boom, boom, boom. It's like, yeah. where did you get that? Yeah. No, like, that's like, oh, let me just go to the explosive store down the street. A little C4. Yeah. So I don't know if explosives are available, but that was the, the suspension of disbelief in Hollywood. But they successfully yank this thing down. They're, the, and of course, they mess with the, the sheriff, which was Porky's brother. They mess with his um, his police cars and ruin his station uh, because he'd abuse, the, abuse them and um, damage their car. And right. they get them to, to they chase t- they chase across the county line with oh, the, Porky's. Porky's is out of Angel Beach County. Yeah, they're in a different county. And that's how they were able to, you know, how Porky and his brother were able to mess with these young kids because they're like, oh, you're in our county. Like, you're not back home. Yeah. So in the elaborate plan, they get them onto their side. So then the sheriff, Mickey's brother, he's a, it's in his jurisdiction now. So he's like, you're in my you're in my county now. Yeah. Like and does the exact same thing. He, you know, he say busts out the taillight, shoots off the hood ornament, the pig and then says, you mean these boys have been in your establishment and they're oh, underage? They're on, those are underage boys. <laughs> They've been in your establishment. Yeah. So that's when they kind of say, well, what do you want? And he's like, you will, anything that happened, you will forgive anything that happened here tonight. And that's kind of the happy ending that happens, but we can come back to the well, end, yeah. end. I think we did forget to say in, in the big expedition to get Porky back, they literally hit the entire bar comes down. <laughs> yeah. the, the entire bar collapses. They rig it. They pull it with boats and a tractor the the entire thing it, it, it doesn't exist anymore yeah. i'm like that's i don't know what the price was then but now hundreds of thousands of dollars an entire building just collapsed yes well i could be no it'd be more like millions if you're gonna do something like that but i thought the stripper well, it was, was, it fun was a little that shack was, on the water yeah maybe hundreds the, of thousands okay yes in 1954 but there were some funny moments, the, the stripper sliding across the, I want to say exotic dancer, sliding across the bar going, help me. It was pretty funny. Some funny visuals. I chuckled. Uh, but now let's get to the three most important scenes of the entire movie. So Coach Brackett is um, played by Boyd Gaines. He's taken an interest in Coach Honeywell, Kim okay, Cattrall. I just want to say this guy, Coach Brackett, he looks identical to one of my really good friends. Like, I think this is one of what one of my friends is going to look like in like 10 years or something like that. Uh-huh. Oh my God. It's, it's just so funny. Okay. Um, it's, it's, he's my good friend and one of my best friend's boyfriends. And it's just like watching it was so funny. Cause it's, you should it's ask what, him if to watch the movie. I don't, I don't know. I, whenever you tell someone they look like someone, it, you know, it could either go really well or really poorly. I just think they look really, really similar. Okay, and it was okay. so funny to you this it, part. Cause I was like, Oh my God, that's like, that's what he's going to look like in 10 years. That's, <laughs> it was just really funny. Well, so, and it's so funny that he says, I'm only 23. So the actual sex scene, you know, okay. So he's, he's, interested in Honeywell and, but the, the other assistant cheerleading coach, right. She works so, with Beulah, Beulah, Kim Cattrall and uh, coach Warren, who's um, played by Doug McGrath. He just keeps saying you're, you know, calls her Lassie and coach, uh, the, um, I want to say bracket coach Warren and Honeywell. So he, but Warren keeps Honeywell, calling her Honeywell. Little, I- ironic name. Or definitely on purpose, but her name is Honeywell. Yeah. And he calls her Lassie and and the, and Brackett says, 
you're calling her a dog? That ain't nice. You know, he's like, no, no, no. So, and they're saying all these things that are totally kind of inappropriate, the way men, I guess, can talk about women. But um, he says, you got to get her upstairs into the equipment room. And he's like, what? So if eventually it's like, she, she won't go. He won't, he, he, I guess he keeps calling her a virgin and, and, um, but she ends up having a run in with Beulah and they have this, they, they lock eyes or like almost go to fisticuff. And she says, moral interpretude. Is that the term that uh, look yeah. at your contract, you know, or she's, she's complaining like about her, but Beulah's she's like threatening to get Honeywell fired for flirting with this other right. coach. Moral interpretude, read your contract. Beulah, and then she goes, Beulah, 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 which she just has such great delivery, but she ends up in this equipment room and instantly turns into now this, Kim Cattrall is iconic okay. in this. Like the acting she did in this is great. Okay. I didn't even realize it was Kim Cattrall until after. I was like, oh my God. Like, I, I just, yeah. Now, she she talked about this in her interview with Howard Stern. I remember driving my car down Sunset Boulevard. I was living in L.A. very unhappily at the time, lonely, oh, depressed. And I came across this huge mother friggin' poster of Porky's. And the first name was my name. I was like, <laughs> ah! She just has a couple things about how it's, uh, how she had done a lot of serious acting up until now. And then this movie... For some reason, she she it was easy for her to get work that was similar to this, but not get the work that she said Michelle Pfeiffer was getting. Was it hard for you to get work after Porky's? Was it was it like oh no, she's in that shitty it, Porky's? It was easy to get work like Porky's, like right. Police Academy, because you're associated with a hit. So right. then you go on this trail, and this other trail that you were on with movies like Tribute and Ticket to Heaven, where you're nominated for awards and you're going that direction. Suddenly Michelle Pfeiffer is taking all those roles, and I can't get near them. This film may have been super successful, but. It didn't help the actors. It helped the bank accounts, but it didn't help the actors. In fact, right. the actor who played um, Billy said that the casting directors in Hollywood were actually not happy with the film because then Hollywood just wanted to capitalize on it and make Everyone film kept after film typecast, after film. Typecast well, over and over. Well, well, the, that that the films that were coming to them were these sex teen co comedies and. You know, everybody wants, it's like, okay, once in a while, okay. But if every film was trying to do that, it created, um, you know, a landslide of these films. And then also the actors themselves were passed over because they were not just typecast, but it was like, you're in that Porky's film. We're not going to hire you in this. So things can definitely hurt your career. And he said that artistically, even though people were lined up, um, artistically, it wasn't anything that they had signed up for. But in the meantime, she has this sex scene. And it's interesting. This is the the one big sex scene, like true sex scene. And it's with the and adults. And they're fully clothed. Yeah. So it's not, even though the situation is just outlandish and outrageous. So weird. And it's weird. Okay. So, so that's the thing that Roger Ebert said. He said, we don't recognize the women in this movie. Who acts like this? It was and, so weird. But okay. Is it weird? But. Now, as a f young female, if a movie was making fun of a woman for being vocal during sex. No, I'm that... talking about what turned her on. Okay, but not the being vocal. We're not there yet. I'm just talking about, so they walk into this equipment room and she immediately goes, mm. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and like sniffing. You're like, what the fuck? And she starts smelling like jock straps. She's like, it smells so good. I'm like, yeah, like high school boy equipment locker room. So that's the thing that's so far-fetched. It's so far-fetched. I was like, yeah, people have weird turn-ons. That's fine. Smelling high school boy gym clothes that are... Yeah, I don't know if I agree with that either, but maybe, maybe, you know, I'd love to know exactly what scenes were actually real or if this, you know, I'm sure there was a girl that they talked about, like, and how sad, you know, this girl who screamed, you know. Or like she, like, take this girl to the equipment room. That's where she likes to hook up. That was probably the story. And then they like embellished it a bunch. Well, and then, and then everybody in the gym can hear it. But it's funny. This is where I noticed that how the audio of the film was super inconsistent. Yeah. And they were adding her her voice they were adding it over and over and over again and then, and then when it would cut back to her in the equipment room she it wasn't, wasn't lining up which yeah. whatever it's literally from the 80s um, so, it's okay but then we, we get don't the, have gist. the technology we do now so here's a funny thing so that's happening he's like she's making these incredible noises she's howling that's why she's called lassie she's howling <laughs> So, but down on the gym floor, the boys are all giggling. The coach, um, the other coach is laughing so hard that I was like, that's one of the best laughs I've ever heard. He has to put himself behind it. Um, I don't think it was actually his laugh. Though. So I found out I think whose it was. It was. A voiceover laugh. Well, I found out whose it was. Who? It, Bob Clark, the director, supposedly oh used his own laugh. I knew it was a voiceover laugh. <laughs> you were like, that's such a good laugh. I was like, that's not him. I don't think that's him. But that's one of these tricks that you use in a film where the if the character is belly laughing, right, it's you letting need a real you know. Laugh to do and it. and then well, and then you let the audience know to laugh because I don't think I was at a time in my life where I would have thought that was funny. In fact, the other scene coming up made me laugh more, but this one was not as funny. In fact, it was kind of uncomfortable. As I a think the girl. the funny part of this scene was the coach laughing. Right. Okay. The funny part wasn't that she was howling so it's loud. It's the reaction. Yeah, it was the reaction because I mean, I don't want to get into like a feminist conversation, well, I was fully, say- but like you asked like women being vocal during sex, like I don't think there's any issue with it, but the fact that it was like, I, I would say now like women being vocal isn't a thing that people are like, oh my God, really? Like, but the fact that like, that's what she was branded for it, it's a thing that's like, oh, she's not allowed to enjoy herself in the mm-hmm. same way a man was. Cause like if a man was howling, it might like in that time have been portrayed differently. I think it's the issue with it that made it sexist was that she was branded for the noises she made during sex. And like, you can't really control the noises you make. Like it sometimes things just come out, but that's what she was branded for. And that's what I think was the uncool part of it and right or this is or you know and i think what's interesting the thing that was so uncomfortable about it if if it's true because we're females we don't always if there's if boys men um you know if it's built into the society that men have talked about women like this all the time when we're not around and then he has a film that portrays the truth it's 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 unsettling yeah, that, that that's how and we now know 
that that's how men talk behind women's backs or right. even do this kind of stuff in front of women and say, oh, it's just a joke. Can't you take a joke? Right. And we're in a different society now of saying, you know, we we're saying how these women are cool and they're hanging out. But if you actually did, if these were real characters and you did a, what if there was a sequel where you saw the trauma that was caused by these guys for these women later on in life? You know, right. you could, you like, could actually write a story for that. Being known that like, for something that's completely like if Honeywell like found out she was called Lassie for something that's like completely involuntary, like what is, you know, it's just the noise she makes and it's, it, yeah. And it goes back to that whole thing about like women not being able to have the same kind of pleasure in sex that like men are in the fifties and things like that. I don't know. It's, yeah. So I did not like the whole Lassie thing. The only funny part about that scene, I think, was the coach and how hard he was laughing and that he literally had to go hide behind a tarp because mm-hmm. he was laughing so hard. Right, right. Like what's his name? Bob Clark's cackle. Yeah. Made me laugh. Well, and I, I do think that it's you're you're right. If it was just her doing that, it was the noise and then the reactions of everyone in the gym floor that kind of, if and that's just a noise without the reactions. It wouldn't have been fun. And that's, yeah. And that's the, the formation of the film and the beats and the editing and coming together and creating. Um, it was successful because there was a huge reaction and people were laughing um, as distasteful as it could have been. But, uh, oh, and, and she didn't know when he says, why do they call you Lassie in the middle of their action she says i don't know <laughs> you know and then, so she yeah, didn't know find out so in the next the next big thing that happens is we've seen that the boys have access to the girls locker room and they keep they've tried before and they they've missed and this time they go and it's like we're on you've got peewee and um tommy and billy they can and, peep through like the, not the shower drains, but where the faucets go, they're able to move the faucets and peep or something. And peep through. And this is the cover of the, the, the poster. It's the eyeball through the, through the hole. And they're able to see, and Billy and Tommy have a straight view of the girls and Peewee is set behind a heavy set girl. And he can't get around and he's frustrated. And the next thing you know, he's like, move your ass. And she of course takes off and, and a couple of the girls take off, but the other girls say, who's back there. And it's Wendy Tommy? and the other and girls. Yeah. Right. It's like the quote, they're quote unquote friends. Right. So you're, I mean, most people know the scene where basically the, she, he says, he makes a comment like we're here to check out. And she he uses the P word. I mean, I think with this, this episode is going to be explicit just from us repeating what's in the movie. But oh, yeah. <laughs> so she, of course, does. Oh, what does she do? She um, he he puts his tongue through the hole, and he and smacks. The other guys are like, "Oh, she's coming, she's coming!" But then, like, she puts soap on the tongue, and he to, gets like, frustrated, right? Well, and, t- and, and Pee Wee says, oh, "They're not. They're hot for this, man. They're hot for this. Like, they're not running away." So then they, of course, engage, and so then he's he kind of gets frustrated, and he goes, "You know what? I'll give you something to whatever." So he. I'm just like cringing even thinking about this scene. This was the one scene in the whole movie that I was like, what the hell is going on? 
you you were I couldn't see you because we were watching, but um what I heard on my I on the other side you were shouting. You were shouting. Yeah. And he and gets then frustrated so, with the girls. He gets frustrated. He puts his member, his penis, he through puts the his hole. Dick in the hole. And they scream. And of course, Beulah walks in and she and they run out. And she has this amazing, amazing um, res- response to. This, it's not amazing. Why are you calling well, it no, amazing? No. Well, you know, she has this moment where she goes, her mouth just goes, it just goes, oh. when she sees it, she has this great reaction. I'm talking as an actor. She has this amazing reaction okay, where saying. she goes, and then she does this and runs at it and grabs it with both of her hands. He doesn't, the guy who has his dick in in the wall, he doesn't know Beulah's there. The no. other two guys are like, oh, like, I think it's Tommy. They're like, or Tammy, whatever. They're like, he, he, she's coming. Like, stay there, stay there. And yeah. she literally grips, grabs him. With both with hands. two hands. I'm like, okay, another thing. So illegal. He's a minor. <laughs> He's a minor. And this is the cheer coach. And she's grabbing and like yanking. And saying, I'll get you. Yes, you look at your reaction. <laughs> so do you, is this it now you understand? Well, it was literally vile. <laughs> so, you poor thing. So these are the movies that I and your dad were brought up on. Does that explain a lot? <laughs> no, it doesn't explain a lot. It just explains nothing. This is okay. insane. And like, she's literally like, he's trying to like escape her grip. And you know, she's got to be holding on really, really tight. Because yeah. it, it. Yeah. <laughs> so it had the right reaction. <laughs> so I'm. Are you mad? It was probably in so much pain. Were you mad that? Are you like upset that I asked you to watch this movie? Look at your face. <laughs> I don't want to say upset, but like. But you could have been okay without it. Okay, this. I could have been okay without all the racist and anti-Semitic stuff. This I could have been okay without too. There's, you know what? I could have been okay never seeing this movie. (laughs) I think my life would maybe even be better if I've never seen this movie. Yeah. But it's fine. (laughs) Um, I'm a little scarred from that. You think? Um, I think I am too, but I didn't know. So literally... I mean, this happens and he gets away and she's got her eyeball going, I know it's you, Mr. Tommy, whatever she's saying. It's it's like, but then we cut to actually what. This is the one scene that I actually belly laugh, that I actually <laughs> laughed at. The one scene that I thought was actually funny. And again, it's because of the contagious laughter. Well, and so in the acting and there's, there's some, her, like, this is a yeah. masterclass and this is a one take scene. It's four her minutes long. is incredible. Na- in Nancy scene. Parsons, I believe is her name. And then also the introduction of Principal Carter, Doug McGrath, who did an amazing job as this character when she's saying, so, Principal Carter, I know this penis because it has a mole on it, and I want it to have. She's like, I want to. She a wants to do a police lineup, lineup. but naked, underage <laughs> high Boy. school boys' penises, because she wants to say this was the one that I grabbed and I saw peeping. 
I don't want to let him slip out of my hands. And in the background, you've got Brackett and Carter and the other coach who's been very stoic and kind of by the book guy. We can tell right. he, he he's doesn't not laughing. even have that many lines in the whole but, thing. And he's not laughing, but the other two are giggling. Oh, right. And, and, and by the it, end, he's. But by the end, he's breaking up and he can't help it. But then um, pr- the principal saying when she keeps saying penis, he goes, can we don't. No, can we call it Taliwaka? And penis is so personal. So now imagine me, this is the scene that I described to your grandma last night, Chima. And she's saying how she's explaining what she wants to do with the boys and the penis and that he wants to call it a Taliwaka. And so Chima was just belly laughing. So this is, I mean, even telling the story of that scene was funny to somebody who doesn't remember taking her kids to it. Those, Those three scenes are the scenes that, um, they all happen kind of um, sequentially in the in the movie, and those are the scenes that I pulled a, a review from somebody because I was reading so many critical reviews that I wanted to find somebody who you know I guess you call it a conscious bias, but I did find this uh, gentleman who said that basically it described exactly what I remember because it said um, he said I had the pleasure of seeing Porky's in a late night show opening day in March of 1982 in a theater packed to the gills, mostly with 18 to 25 year olds. Although there were a lot of kids underage sneaking in and also families going as well. And he said, I hurt for three days laughing so hard. There were people out of their seats laying on the floor of the theater, screaming in laughter. I have yet to see another motion picture invoke this kind of hilarity in a movie theater. I saw it two or three more times in the original theatrical run with the same response. And to me, the, my conclusion with this film, since we've, you know, pretty much done the whole thing. Um, there's the very end that we can t- touch on. That's the difference between watching it now and then. It just was when people aren't packed to the gills in the theater watching this for the first time, and we're just different now. But after that whole thing goes down, and with, with the with the coaches, and they just laugh with hysterics, and she's she's just remains, you know. That's why her acting is so good. She's, yeah. She's- so serious and these guys are cracking jokes and and somehow through their through their and also good laughing on camera is really hard and it was so believable that is what had me laughing was the three coaches (laughs) like trying to hold in their laughter because this is just the most absurd thing that someone could be asking for a police lineup of young boys penises and then he says i've got a suggestion principal he says Maybe we could get a sketch artist and put the pictures up. Have you seen this prick? Put them up all around them. Anyway, so yes, there were funny gags. and But then at the very end, after Porky gets run off and Tommy and Brian come up in the speedboat and they're celebrating and they- So extravagant. They literally have the school marching band, they yeah. have the cheerleaders, like they have everyone waiting there to celebrate Porky's demise. Right. And it's it's kind of this happy ending. Everybody goes away. And then over the credits, we've got two things that happen. So, and this was kind of, they're like, come on, Wendy. They kind of force her to do this or they, they yeah. encourage her. It was her. like, oh, if we got Porky and Wendy, you, you have gotta to sleep with pay Kiwi. Up. Yeah, that, that felt a little, but. Which another one of the icky moments. Right. And then turns out he does this, oh, and then she ends up pulling it back in, which technically was the only other actual sex in the movie. And then, uh, but then we see through the bushes, this, you know, something's, 
creeping through the bushes and it turns out it's Beulah racing to Tommy and everyone scatters, yanks down his pants and I know that penis and she's screaming and she gets arrested. The police run up and grab her. I'm like, finally, stopping this older woman from attacking this minor. Finally, some police action for this extremely illegal act. Right. So he finally just kind of shakes his head, looks at the camera, breaks the fourth fourth wall. The fourth wall, may the fourth be with you, breaks the fourth wall and looks at the camera and says, geez. And that's the end of the movie. You said the end was a happy ending. I think the happy ending was that it was over. (laughs) It was over. (laughs) I think that was the happy part of the end of the movie was that the movie was over. Right. I mean, one writer wrote, sure, it's crass and sophomoric, but it's also very funny, filled with heart and home to a surprising message of tolerance. Mm. No, no. Yes. Okay. Like most there's the. For the anti-Semitic thing with Brian, like the the character ends up having a character arc and like you understand that he didn't like Brian for being Jewish because of his dad. And by the end, him and Brian are buddies. And that's great. I, I don't think it was tolerant enough. If they're trying to show tolerance, if that was one of the goals of the film, mm-hmm. they failed. Not miserably, but they did a pretty bad job at showing tolerance. Right. Or maybe for the time it was good for showing tolerance. Look, it it was no, it the reviews were if you go see this movie be prepared to be offended. And it's that's what it was meant to do and I guess. So it was it was offensive then, it was offensive it's offensive now. However, I think it did it really resonated with young immature people and that's funny sensibility because it was like this is the way we are when people aren't looking. And now they put it on on film. And I don't, I wonder how much film, sometimes, sometimes films do have an influence on the way people behave in society. And, but I feel like this one kind of was more reflecting people, not necessarily creating behavior. I think in the time it, it, it gave teenage boys, like when it came out in the eighties, I think it probably had a huge impact on middle school, high school boys thinking (laughs) that they could just act like this. Yeah, totally. I think it totally for for anyone who was of that age group, especially maybe like younger boys, like late Mm -hmm. elementary school, middle school, like they were like, oh, this is what the cool high school kids act like. Okay, cool. I'm going to act like this, too. Right now, I'm sure that there's um, behaviors that are learned from that. And then and then because I think there's a whole society of if if this is what you grow up with and it's accepted and then now we're being told that this isn't acceptable. You see some of this older generation saying, well, it's just the way it is. And we're saying, but it's not okay. And it's never no. been okay. And, you know, there've been times in my life where I've seen men that I thought were my friends say things behind my back. I could hear them say things in a derogatory way like this or something sexist. And I, it instantly changed my opinion of these people. <gasps> They're talking about me like that. Like I took it like, Ugh. I would say if, At my age now, if I knew my guy friends were speaking about me and my friends in that way or women in general that way, I wouldn't want to be friends with them. Hmm. Like in this era, at this age, like 
that would not be people I want to surround myself with because I don't need a because. Well, that and would, I think like that's just the way they spoke about women was not good. Right. Well, and I think there's something to be said for teaching people or teaching young men respect for women and um, and also standing up to boys that that or men that do speak like that about women and saying, buddy, that's not okay. hundred percent. So, yeah. Anyway, so it was interesting. I kept talking about when we talked about doing this podcast, I was like, I'm curious, this movie popped into my head to see your reaction and it wasn't super positive. (laughs) So, and it doesn't necessarily age well. And, uh, but there was, but that's the whole experience that we're trying to figure out here. There's a few other movies like that. And I'm kind of, I don't know that we want to watch too many films that do the exact same thing. I don't want every episode of this podcast to be me (laughs) saying like, yeah, I didn't need to see this movie. So maybe we'll hold off on anything that's like this for a while because I was very negative talking about this and that's fine. I can be negative sometimes, but uh, yeah, I don't want to be negative all the time. I want to enjoy. Yeah, no, we want to celebrate. (laughs) Well, all I know is that I like, I haven't seen the footage, but I want to see what your, your face on a couple of these reactions. Oh my God. I mean, that's, I was belly laughing. No, I wasn't belly laughing. It was bile. Oh, okay. It's disgusting. Oh, no. Well, okay. So, yeah. No, not everything is pretty in Hollywood. Anyway, I thank you guys so much for being here. And um, thank you so much for listening. Please follow, rate, and review us wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please check us out over on Patreon with all the bonus content. And actually seeing the reactions over on Patreon. We're going to try and put that together. I some up. I don't know if it's facial expressions. Yeah. I don't know that it's going to be too much because some of it, we were just good stuff. Right. Right. Please go over to Patreon. You don't want to miss out on that extra bonus content. And so that being said, follow us on our social medias. I am CG mirror on Instagram and TikTok, CG M I R. And my mother is the Melinda Clark on Instagram and on TikTok. And you can now follow the Bye Bitches Instagram. It is Bye Bitches Podcast on Instagram. We do not have a TikTok, but you can go head over to the Instagram and give that a follow now as well. Do you want to do a TikTok? Well, right. We'll see how much time I have. I'm moving, okay. Mom. Yeah. You're, putting, you're putting too much on my plate. I'm in the middle oh, of moving. Okay. Okay. Very good. Well, um, my sweaty palms of talking about porkies with CG is over. My palms are sweaty too. <laughs> you got genetic. The sweaty palms. We might have to put a rating on this one. And anyway, bye bitches. Bye bitches. Bye. bye.